BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Make a salad with just lettuce, uh, cheese, and ranch. <gasps> cheddar cheese, please. Cheddar cheese? Yeah. He eats lettuce, cheddar cheese, and ranch. What is that? Caesar. It's the same thing, but no, what is ranch it? has Caesar on it. No. With a crouton. He'll eat more cheddar cheese than the, than the salad. <laughs> it's disgusting. So what is that, though? Bro, it's the same thing. Bro. It's Parmesan. It's lettuce. It's romaine. Lettuce. It's croutons. It's tomatoes. Bread. It's Caesar dressing. It's way more. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where all the king's horses and all the king's new men could not help Colby Altman keep LeBron from leaving Cleveland again. Hashtag LaBron. Is it LaBron, Alan, or is it hashtag LaBron? LaBron? I thought it was LaBron. I thought it was LeBron. That's how I I heard it in my mind every time I saw pictures of it, but I'm going to say it's what, what was the first one? LaBron. Well, that sounds stupid. <laughs> I think it's L.A. Bron. <laughs> well, I think the whole billboard thing kind of looked and sounded stupid altogether. But you know what? It was a good ad for uh, Imrani. That's for sure. For who? The Jacob and Ronnie. Oh, the guy that's who right. Them. That's great business for him, man. Marketing genius. So hashtag LeBron and hashtag doesn't matter because the Lakers beat the Cleveland Cavaliers in very convincing, dominant fashion the other night at Staples Center. And somehow, some way, LeBron James was not the most dominant power forward on the floor last night, Alan. Hell nah. Julius! Brendo! Nelson Randella. Nice. 
Uh, yeah, so we're going to get into all that fun. The Lakers with a nice bounce back win after a pretty disappointing loss to the Denver Nuggets. And as I mentioned, they won in very convincing fashion, even semi-relinquishing the lead here and there in the fourth quarter as they have been apt to do. But at the end of the day, they pulled it out 127 to 113. The only quarter that they actually did not have the the lead or did not score the most points was the fourth quarter, only getting outscored by two to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, so very impressive win by the Lakers, and we'll get to all that in a little bit. Uh, as usual, I'm Jonathan Hernandez. I'm joined by my co-host, Alan Riley. Alan, how's it going? I'm good, man. Doing doing very well. How are you? More importantly, how are you? I am great. I know you're I good. I am swell. I know you're good, and I know why. I have a huge grin on my face. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe I don't know. We'll we'll talk about that later. Um, Tommy is unfortunately in Connecticut. Uh, he is visiting his fiance, but good for him. I'm sure he's shivering. Um, but he's feeling good too because the Lakers are looking so good right now. Julius Randle is a beast, and LeBron James got a quick glimpse into what the future of the Lakers look like, and maybe a quick glimpse into his own future. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. Oh no, LeBron James. <laughs> Uh, before we get to all that, though, as usual, uh, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that's how many more killer social media roasts Kuzma will continue to fire out there from now till the season ends. Everybody wants to see those roasts, so uh, let's let's keep those coming. Dude, Cal Kuzma is a killer in so many ways, not just on the basketball court. And I think so far, one of my favorite Cal Kuzma roasts is when he totally tore Josh Hart apart for that picture he posted up of him in goggles and the fro. <laughs> if, if you haven't seen it yet, check out Josh Hart's like Instagram or whatever. He posted this very throwback picture of him wearing like a collared shirt. He had like a fro on and these like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar goggles on his face, which was hilarious. And then on Snapchat, Kyle Kuzma just wrote, he just looks like he hella plays Fortnite, which is, you know, one of the... <laughs> Which is one of those popular new like uh, role-playing community games that you can play online with your friends. And uh, Josh Hart apparently plays it a lot on uh, Streamable, or he streams his games and whatnot. So uh, Kyle Kuzma, great roaster of the Lakers. And uh, I told Alan earlier, but um, I use Kyle Kuzma and Lonzo Ball's salad interaction from their Backstage Lakers episode as the intro to uh, our episode tonight. And that is one of the funniest interactions ever. Uh, including Kyle Kuzma roasting Lonzo Ball for only getting cheddar cheese, lettuce, and ranch. Yeah. (laughs) Man, this guy only getting cheddar cheese, lettuce, and ranch. I mean, what is that? What is that? Dude, there's more cheese and lettuce on that thing. All this dude's going to eat is cheddar cheese. (laughs) Meanwhile, I got tomato. I got romaine. I got croutons. I got got Caesar salad. And then Lonzo's like... (laughs) Man, it's the same thing. <laughs> Romaine, tomato, croutons, emphasis on the tons. So much more. All right. Um, so speaking of rating and reviews, tonight we're going to have Coach Luke Walton, who considers Julius Randle the best perimeter one-on-one defender in the league. I do, uh, don't you? I do. Coach, Good. you've spoken very glowingly about Julius Randle, so you're going to do tonight's review, which is going to be pretty relevant to Randle as well. So, Coach Luke, take it away. Thanks, Jonathan. I appreciate that. Uh, it's been a little while. Been uh, busy winning over here, you know, but it's good to be back. This one's written by DG Jordan 23 It says, hey... It's DG from Chino Hills. Great podcast. Lived in Arcadia for a long time off Baldwin by the Santa Anita Mall. Little shout to Arcadia. Anyways, just wanted to drop a little drip, a little name I keep hearing around my circle of homies. And when we hear Julius Randall's name, all I think is Black Panther. We got Black Mamba, and after this stretch of season so far, he's earned Black Panther. He just brings it physically and athletically every night, and you just see people backing down. Thank you, DG Jordan 23 Thank you, Luke Walton. Shout-out to Arcadia. Shout-out to Chino Hills. And Julius Randle, Black Panther. 
What we said was wrong. Julius Randle is a superstar. <laughs> is somebody get this man a max contract? No, I'm just kidding. Don't give him a max contract because we we want to retain him. Shut up, Black Panther. You don't know what you're talking about. No, but I I'm, I mean what I say when Alan, especially you and me. Tommy was more of a believer, but when I say what we said was wrong, <laughs> I, I mean <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, we will eat crow on the Julius <laughs> This freaking guy so annoying. Man, we could replace him with anybody. <laughs> I mean... My bad. My bad. <laughs> I mean, that's all Oops. I can say. Oopsie doopsie, but guess what? Our oopsie doopsie is your... I don't even know. <laughs> it's all of our victory. It's all of our win, really. So uh, that's one thing that I'll be happy to be wrong on, you know, because at the end of the day, it benefits the Lakers in a huge way. And the fact that we were able to keep him through the trade deadline is incredible. And we're going to be talking about Julius Randle a lot tonight. But the main message here, first of all, is to please rate interviews on iTunes because we've kind of hit a snag, a, a bit of a dry spell with the rating interviews. And it would be great if you guys could help us out in that department because it helps increase our exposure and uh, helps us against the likes of people like Jay Moore and his America's Lakers podcast. Uh, as it stands right now, we are simply only Northwestern Papua New Guinea's Red Light District's Lakers podcast. So we need some more extra rating interviews to help. It's a nice pump place, us up. though. Sorry, it's, it's not bad. It's, it's, I mean, it's the Red Light District of Papua New Guinea. So I heard that I heard they uh, they're known for their their three foot long hoagies. I heard their sandwiches are really good. Sure. <laughs> um, speaking of Red Light District, um, what? Would you <laughs> hold on? Hold on. Hold on. Let me finish. Let me hear this segue. Speaking of red light district, what Julius Randle is currently doing to the entire league right now is downright dirty. X-rated. All right. <laughs> um, let, let's get into the show. The Lakers have hit 30 wins for the first time since 2013. That was the Dwight Howard, Pau Gasol, Steve Nash, Kobe Bryant year. The Lakers are now 30 and 36. Um, most of all, though, they have dropped the Cavs down to our Cavs pick, is right now number 22. That's crazy. That's nuts. And the Cavs are 38 and 28. So great bounce back win by the Lakers, like I said, especially after such a disappointing loss where they relinquished their lead in the fourth quarter in Denver um, against the Jamal Murray Denver Nuggets, who Luke Walton hates. But, uh, but yeah, what a great statement win by the Lakers last night. And we'll get into the game a little more fully in a bit, but there are some quick news tidbits that I wanted to hit up before we do. Alan, the Lakers signed Derek Williams, former number two pick Derek Williams, uh, 6'9", power forward, small forward with a seven foot one wingspan, uber athletic. Um, do you have any thoughts on Derek Williams? Do you like the signing? It's only for 14 days. Uh, when I, when it first happened, I thought, man, is this a bad news about Brandon Ingram? Will he be out even longer? And in a, in a sense, that was the case because Brandon Ingram apparently will be missing the next two games. And they they put that news out even before his evaluation was slated for today. So um, we're probably not going to see Brandon Ingram till at the earliest, uh, the end of this week. So I think that's why Derek Williams is bring, being brought in. For me, the, the real takeaway here is that no more Tyler Ennis. And we did not see Tyler Ennis play the last game. Oh, so. thank God. That is a victory in and of itself. I don't even care when he plays well, dude. I'm still mad that he's no, even absolutely. in the game. Absolutely. Um, but Derek Williams is a guy that I actually, a couple seasons ago when he was playing with the Knicks and averaged around nine points, shooting 45% from the field, who I just kind of wanted to give a flyer on simply because of his dynamic athleticism, his ability to run out on the break. I mean, that's the kind of guy that a player like Lonzo Ball and Isaiah Thomas would have a lot of fun with, I feel like. And um, I think in his season with Cleveland, he wasn't too bad as well. He was only averaging around 17 minutes, but he averaged six points, uh, two rebounds and 50% from the field and actually shot 40% from three. Um, it was only 25 games, but I think his shot has even improved a little bit. So it's not like you can totally leave him open. Uh, but most of all, I think what he brings is athleticism, uh, being able to get out on the break and catch lobs and, and dunk on people. So at the very least, it gives uh, the Lakers another option. Whether he can play the wing position adequately enough or not, I don't know. But yeah, what are your quick thoughts on Derek Williams? I mean, it's about the same as you. He hasn't even suited up yet for us. Or he hasn't played, you know. So um, I'd envision if we are on the wrong side of a blowout or if we are blowing out another team, perhaps he'd get a little bit of run. But in terms of what to expect from him, um, like you said, 
very, very athletic, very gifted in that sense. And, uh, you know, if he could run the wing, as you said, and um, just push things because that's all we're trying to do, you know, after stops, um, catch some lobs, do this and that. That's that's pretty much where my expectations are at. I, I'd be really curious to see how he is uh, defensively. Um, yeah. I feel like, I mean, obviously we've seen him play like sparingly over the last however many years, but um, I have no recollection of his um, defensive skill set or anything like that. Um, just by trying to remember whatever, I feel like he's got to be a scrappy type player at best, you know, so just hustle, try to get rebounds and then um, just get out on the break. So that that's pretty much it. Yeah, he definitely has the build to become a semi-adequate or solid defender. So we'll see if he'll even get minutes. I think he came in last night for like 25 seconds. So there you go. Oh, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, Travis Ware got re-signed to a second 10-day contract, which is great for him. I thought he's looked pretty good the last couple games. Obviously, he had that crazy debut against the San Antonio Spurs playing clutch minutes, hitting threes, hitting jump shots. Uh, he hit another two threes last night against the Cavaliers. So, And also showed shown the ability to play some pretty solid defense as well, which is the most surprising part. So uh, what are your thoughts on 6'10", Travis Ware, uh, who I'm sure you're familiar with because of UCLA, but what, what are your thoughts on his pro career thus far with the Lakers in the last two weeks or so? Yeah, he, he's definitely been impressive. Um, I would say he exceeded my expectations because I had no expectations going in, but we all knew that he... Uh, could shoot the ball, stretch the floor, even though it's it's a very, very flat shot. So it's like he's not going to get very many friendly bounces. Um, but he's also a lot more athletic, you know, than people would give him credit for. If you think back to Summer League, he and Alex Caruso, like there was that one crazy lob play. Um, so he can get up and down the floor as well. And like you said, he he's a decent defender. So he's just a pretty fundamentally sound guy. I think he went to – did he go to modern day? For high school, he he went somewhere, some like prep school it, it, around LA, and then as you mentioned, went to UCLA. So um, the fact that he's given us quality minutes and was an actual contributor in that game against San Antonio is huge. And he even mentioned in some of his interviews that being on the South Bay Lakers and the system that they run down there uh, has really prepared him uh, for the big club. And uh, the fact that it's such a seamless transition to go from G League to the NBA, uh, I think it says a lot about our organization. I'm sure there are other organizations in the NBA where it's the exact same thing, but because he made such a significant impact seemingly out of nowhere, I think it stands out a little bit more. We don't typically, like, we didn't hear Gary Payton Jr. or the second saying, yeah, you know, running with the South Bay Lakers really helped me when I came to the Lakers. So uh, that was very encouraging to hear from like an internal kind of behind the scenes standpoint as well. Yeah, for sure. So good on Travis Ware. Glad to see him get this chance and actually capitalize and uh, yeah, capitalize on his shots. So yeah, so let's go straight into the Lakers epic win against the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James. With Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance coming back home, that was uh, weird. And I mean, Julius Randle kept saying it was kind of a... Uh, yeah, it was just weird to play against his teammates again, but uh, it looked like they were having fun out there competing. It was kind of like practice, Julius Randle said, when he used to go up against Larry Nance and Jordan Clarkson. But overall, you know, what a great way to show this team's progress in just the last few months, uh, even after the trade, and also just show LeBron James and the rest of the league what we're capable of. And obviously the Cavaliers have actually been struggling since that trade has happened, but I don't want to put any asterisk or qualifier on this win by the Lakers at all, because at the end of the day, they did this against, you know, the best player in the world. And, oh, let's talk about LeBron James', LeBron James pass first. Oh my God. Oh. <laughs> oh. That was so nasty, Woo. dude. Dude, uh, that was I, yeah, go ahead. It was the sexiest play I've ever seen. You know what I mean? Like, it was yeah, sexy. Yeah. That's how oh, I can yeah. describe it. It oh, was like, yeah. he did that flick of his wrist, like, hey oh. And I was like, <laughs> hey, what the heck? Oh, dude. I I went back and I replayed that so many times right after it happened. Um, Dude. Yeah, I don't know. I was like, what the hell just happened? You know, like, everyone, yeah. including, like, Chauncey Billups on the play-by-play, -play, if you're watching on ESPN, uh, everyone was looking to him to kick it out for the three. Um, man, and like you said, the swag, the, the, the sex appeal on that one was... <laughs> I want to say, like, just in terms of sheer entertainment, you know what I mean? Like, and the impression mm -hmm. that it made on me. 
it's up there, man, in terms of just oh yeah plays, you know, just being very memorable. Um, one could argue his bounce pass between Lonzo's legs was like you know more difficult or more impressive or whatever, but just the sauce, you know, that was on mm-hmm. this one was like absolutely Magic Johnson esque. You know that that's some magic flair right there. So it's it's freaking up there in terms of just sick, nasty, sexy, saucy, salty, whatever the hell other stuff you want to call it. We out here dripping in finesse. <laughs> it don't make no sense. I mean, that's a perfect song for that right there. It's, so oh, much finesse sure. in that shot. Definitely. You think he would do that in any arena? You know what I mean? Because it's like, okay, if he's in Madison Square Garden, I'm sure he would do that um maybe in golden state you know something like that but if he were playing against orlando <laughs> would you know what i mean like would yeah, he put yeah. that much flair on it or is it like the bright lights staple center all that stuff too so let, let's just read between the lines even more sure, on that one. <laughs> sure. Uh, but let's let's stop talking about future laker lebron james and head straight yeah, into there will be plenty of time for that in a matter of months yeah, so let's talk about what the Lakers did so well in this game. And man, there were some big performances from multiple players. I think we had five dudes, no, four dudes who scored 20 plus. Julius Randle, obviously, we're going to talk about him a lot more, uh, but we'll reserve that for a little later. But he had a career high 36 points, 14 rebounds, seven assists, two blocks, one steal. All those numbers are impressive, right? But the most impressive number to me is the 14 of 18 from the field. That That is just stupid. It's just yeah. stupid nonsense. So stupid. But on top of that, Brooke Lopez, I mean, third straight game, 20 plus points, 22 points, 10 of 18 from the field, eight rebounds, four assists, one steal, two blocks. Brooke Lopez, and we've been asking him to do this for so long. I mean, we were so annoyed by him because all he would do was is shoot threes, chuck up threes from the perimeter. He's still doing that, but not to the extent that he was earlier on, earlier on in the season. And I just like that he's gotten back to his post game because he's a really good post player and that's really made us more versatile on offense. And I'm not talking about like one would think if we're posting uh, Brooke Lopez up a lot that it's, he's bogging down the offense, but look, the Lakers play so fast. It does not hurt them to dump it down to a guy as skilled as Brooke Lopez here and there in the half court, especially to get them some points. And that guy clearly can score some points. So it's really, it's been really great to see Brooke Lopez round back into form into his like all-star form and actually help the Lakers uh, or actually contribute to these wins. Because yeah, when the Lakers are in the half court and they swing the ball around and there's no plan A and plan B have failed. I mean, Brooke Lopez is a plan C is not a bad plan, you know? So um, props to Brooke Lopez. Uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope has been playing amazing as well. 20 points, four for eight from three, six rebounds, two steals. And then Isaiah Thomas, obviously. Isaiah Thomas had his Cleveland Cavaliers revenge game. 20 points, nine assists. That was very impressive, his playmaking ability. One steal, five rebounds. He had that crazy sick crossover on... Was it Calderon? I forgot who it was, but he had, he had a crazy sick crossover on one of the Cavs players that through which he uh, then stared at the Cavs bench and pedaled back. So it was nice to see Isaiah Thomas get a little bit of, what's it called, vindication through this performance and, and most importantly, getting that win. His chemistry with Ju- Julius Randle last night was amazing. He knew exactly where to find Julius Randle at all times. And by the end of it, he was throwing crisp pick and roll bounce passes to the dude, whip passes to the dude. Uh, it, it was just so much fun to see. So, yeah, I guess what are your thoughts on, on the game in general first? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I freaking love watching IT and Julius Randle out there. I, I feel like, obviously, IT plays with a huge chip on his shoulder, and he's just he's got that dog in him. You know what I mean? Like, even when mm-hmm. he does something well, you, just, you look at his – he has that, like, surly kind of facial expression at all times. I feel like Julius plays with a huge chip on his shoulder too. And it's like the two of them, obviously in terms of basketball have a connection with each other, but I think their personalities and attitude, um, that comes into play as well. And, uh, that could be, you know, one explanation as to why they do have such chemistry, uh, such good chemistry with one another. Um, but yeah, just generally speaking on the game, um, as you said, you know, Julius was just a freaking beast last night, completely unstoppable. Um, it would have been interesting to see if Tristan Thompson, you know, had been healthy, if, if the Cavs were 
you know, completely healthy with Kevin Love as well um, mm-hmm. in terms of controlling the boards and whatnot. But at the same time, I mean, we we're missing Brandon Ingram. Um, we don't have Josh Hart either. So both teams were undermanned. And I, I would like to think that Julius still would have put up a, a huge night. Maybe the numbers won't be exactly the same, but he would have impacted the game in a big way. Cleveland's not very good defensively, but Julius is just playing like so differently man like it's it's crazy to think where we were at the beginning of the season you and I already ate a crap ton of crow to start this show but from coming off the bench and you know the the pouty thing and all that stuff to um where he's at now like he he looks like like a future all-star you know Mm -hmm. and it isn't just a couple games here and there either this has been a, a huge stretch for him and um you know, I heard this interview today. It was on uh, ESPN. It was in the afternoon. And um, they're asking him about playing in a contract year and, you know, are you extra motivated? And, you know, some guys, once they get that big deal, they take their foot off the gas, don't work as hard. And he said that he's a firm believer in, in karma and he wouldn't want to disrespect the game like that. And, yes, of course, that is, like, the correct answer to give. But when he says it, like you know he's hungry, and you know he means it. If he were to be so fortunate to get a huge contract next season, I feel like he would just he would continue to work his ass off. And uh, if anything, it would just serve as positive reinforcement and even more motivation. So he's just a freaking beast, man. And the fact that, what was it like, the last player to put up the very similar numbers um, as he did last night was Kobe. And then besides Kobe, the only players to ever put up 30 this and, you know, however many rebounds, etc. It was all Hall of Famers. It was like Shaq, Kareem, and I don't remember who else was on that list. But, um, yeah, dude, just it, it's been so good to watch him. And, like, he, he's been so reliable. And uh, there was a point where every other game we're like, okay, what, what kind of Julius Randle are we going to get tonight? Are we going to be frustrated or what? And uh, his consistency has blown me away um and then just you know some other things like you said brooke lopez it's funny because at the beginning of the year you know most of us predicted okay dude's gonna average like high 20s in terms of minutes maybe 30 minutes per game um he's gonna average close to 20 points per game blah 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 and then it was like okay this guy is not a serviceable basketball player on the los angeles lakers and that was kind of the case for quite some time and uh you know really since like Larry Nance got traded and, you know, we've had injuries here and there. Um, he's just been given an opportunity to do what he does best. And um, I mean, there were times and you know, this still happens every now and then where Brooke Lopez is shooting just a million threes a game and he's not even getting in the paint. But as you said before, he, he is getting his touches down low. He's option C, you know, if necessary. And he's so effective because he is so skilled and he's so intelligent. Um, it's just nice to have that buffer and kind of that safety yeah. valve to go back to. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're like falling in love <laughs> with all these guys right now. And um, just got to stay in the moment that I'll just kind of leave it at that. This is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season, and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today. Yeah, and LeBron James got to see it up close and personal, and he was even he was so glowing in terms of his compliments for all these guys, especially Julius Randle. Some interviewer asked him, I forgot exactly what the question was, but he said, you know, Julius Randle tore you guys up, and he was like, Julius Randle's been tearing the whole league up. He's been doing this to every NBA team. LeBron was especially effusive in his praise for Luke Walton, which was kind of cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Him just, yeah, he was just like, you know, Luke's come from the Golden State Warriors. His system is, I mean, it's like he know he he studied Luke Walton very closely, right? Talking about how <laughs> the ball movement, the sharing, how it's just complemented the young players so well, including him bringing up the young players and helping their growth. I mean, yeah, I don't know. My, ha- my heart hear. rate is increasing as you're talking <laughs> about this. I'm just like getting kind of giddy right now. Yeah, yeah. It's like, um, don't you, don't you just want to talk about your own coach like that? 
<laughs> nah. You can make it Luke. happen, Braun Braun. Come on. Let's go. Let's talk about Luke Walton and the Lakers players instead. But uh, hey, all good stuff. And uh, let, let's land on Julius Randle again just because... I mean, like you said, this guy is pretty much almost an all-star. And since he's been starting, that is what he's been. And if you can't even knock him on, okay, he can put up numbers, but can he put up numbers on a team that wins? Yes, because the Lakers have been winning. <laughs> yeah. The Lakers are 7-3 and three in their last 10. And I think since the all-star break, they've... I forgot. I don't even know what their win percentage is, but it's definitely above 55% at this point. Oh, for so, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the fact that Julius Randle is putting up, since the All-Star break, pretty much 20 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 steal, 0.7 blocks on 59% shooting. That, that is just practically ridiculous. That's All-Star numbers, man. Those are All-Star numbers on a winning team. Legitimately a winning team. Oh, yeah. 19 points in February, 9 rebounds, 4 assists. 58% shooting, even gotten better in March with 23 points, 8.7 rebounds, 3.5 assists, one steal, 0.7 blocks, and 59% shooting. So consistent, dude. Yeah, this guy has been incredible. And like we said, none of us could have anticipated this. Not even Tommy, who was, I think, the last standing believer of Julius Randle. And what's crazy is Julius Randle is this good right now, and he still has problems with turning the ball over, ramming into people. He still doesn't have a jump shot. And yet somehow, he's still this good. <laughs> Look how he affects the game with his skill set. Yeah. Right. So what I'm saying is he still has a lot of areas to improve upon, but he's shored up so much from where he was initially that I guess, Alan, like, yeah, what specifics have you seen in Julius Randle's game that have, I guess, led him to this point, a point where, which we did not anticipate, but we're here now? And it's undeniable at this point. And frankly, Julius Randle is beyond reproach. So how did how did we get here? And what have you seen on the court that um, he's improved upon specifically? Yeah, in terms of on the court things, um, I think Tommy mentioned it a couple episodes back. His field goal percentage in the paint, specifically like zero to three feet, is absurdly high. And uh, this is something that I remember we checked maybe a year ago, and we were kind of comparing Julius's field goal percentage, you know, zero to three feet, uh, three to six feet, et cetera. And a lot of his numbers in the past were, were very low. And we're like, man, like, this guy's got no freaking touch. Like, his moves are extremely limited. And then when he does try to drop step or, you know, do whatever – he travels, he gets an offensive foul, he turns yep. it over, it's just to no avail. Um, it's like the one thing he's good for is just bully ball. And even when he does that, you know, it's a mixed bag. So I, I've definitely tried to stay in the moment when it comes to observing how much he has improved. Because, you know, like when a guy is playing so well, at least for me, I, I find it easy to, I don't want to say take it for granted, but just be like, wow, like he's so good, but then not be aware of how much he has improved like at all times. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So every time he does something good, I try to remind myself of what he was just several months ago. And then it puts it in context even more. I'm like, oh my gosh, like not only is it good, but it, it is so good compared to what it used to be. Um, So just his footwork, his control. And it's funny because he still looks out of control at times and it's just his arms and his legs just kind of flail all over the place. Really it's his legs. Like when he jumps, he lifts his heels like practically up to his butt. <laughs> it's like, who does that? So it, it looks like a Tasmanian devil or something down there. So there's this perception that he isn't skilled or he's clunky or whatever. But if you look at the results, you, you cannot argue with it. So, um, I, I think on the court wise, that's been huge. And, you know, even when he runs the break, he's not full on sprinting like he used to 100 miles an hour. He'll actually take his time as he crosses half court. And he has that crazy, honestly, LeBron James type burst of speed where he can just turn the jets on in a second. Um, and he's learned like how to make that happen and how that fits in the game. Um, I think James Worthy was saying, you know, when, when you get older, the game just slows down. And uh, really, Julius, technically in his fourth year, but playing-wise, it's his third year. The fact that he has improved so much when it comes to how he reacts to the speed of the game is 
is crazy. I wish there were some sort of chart that we could find that shows the progress he's made in that regard from year two to year three, or even just the last four months. Um, so yeah, I, I think on court wise that that's where he's made his largest strides. And then I, I think off the court wise, again, you know, he got married, he has a child, I think those things make such a big difference when it comes to a person's professionalism because everything is put in context. You realize that life is more than just basketball. And maybe when you have that type of mindset, it helps you to loosen up a little bit and just see things in a different perspective. And I'm sure ultimately I'm not a father and I am not a basketball player, but if I were, I would think having a kid and being responsible for a life would make basketball seem a lot easier. Sure. Um, and the guy was born in 1993. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's young too. Like he had his first kid and um, he, he's still in his early twenties. So uh, his maturation process, I think extends uh, all the way, you know, to things like that. Um, so. Yeah, we got to keep Julius Randle, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and he was actually born in 1994, so he's not... Oh my goodness, I shortchanged... Yeah. He's not even 24 yet. He turns 24 November 29th. So, yeah, I agree with all your points. Julius Randle, Nelson Randella. <laughs> I love that. Yep, he is... Uh, what is it? Apartheid between the Julius Randle... Uh, <laughs> Julius Randle non-believers and now the truthers who have believed in the process for uh, the longest while with uh, Julius Randall. I don't even really know what I'm talking about here. Uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> you know exactly. About. Okay, yeah, cool, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, I follow. The segregation between the two. Now we're together <laughs> because of Nelson Randella. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop that metaphor because it doesn't make sense. So what I've seen on court specifically, one, obviously, we heard about his crazy off-season, off-season regiment, right? And we saw it pay off, or we saw the pictures, and then we saw how it paid off on the court in terms of Julius Randle somehow got slimmer, but he added strength along with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can see the strength, and you can see the burst in his, uh, his legs, the way he's able to finish with those dunks. He wasn't finishing those dunks. I mean, he, what, he, he, I've never seen him finish so strongly and aggressively as he has this year. Somehow he became more athletic. And really, the Julius Randle that we're seeing now is kind of like the one that we saw in high school, where he was just like an athletic, dominant force, a freak of nature, like a LeBron James. And his first two years, especially after his injury, we didn't really see that. We saw a guy who would always contort his body and contract it when he got into the lane anytime he saw any sort of traffic and then only be able to flip up or flip up a weird shot. But now Julius Randle just dunks on people, you know? And, and not only dunks on people, but like you said, initially... He had no touch. It, it would just clank off the glass really hard. Uh, it would almost be like a palmed mm, put yeah. shot it up there. But now he's shot doing... Shot put? Shot put. There you go. There you go. My, my it was words. so bad. We will call it put shot. It, yeah, it. put shot it up. Uh, shot put it up. There you go. Um, but now he's doing reverse up and under layups. Yeah, that's his new signature move. <laughs> yeah, I mean, talk about a guy who has finesse, right? I mean, you, you see it now with his fi- his the variety of finishing moves that he has that's i think that's one of the biggest things like he's added these nifty soft now he has now he has a soft touch you know um and he he knows the angles with which to to, to put the ball in even after sp- yeah. these crazy spin moves uh but most of all i think along with the strength he's added the footwork the the skilled footwork whenever he backs down his opponents his feet are just more firmly planted to the ground and it's yeah. so much more controlled uh to the point where in the past, I think Julius Randle, his feet would always be mangled. He'd be a little, have a little too much like twinkle toes, and and twinkle toes in the in the lane is not good. You're gonna get a travel. It just never seemed like he knew what he was doing whenever he'd back down. But now everything is done with such intentionality and control that he looks like a legitimately skilled post player whenever he backs people down, and. Because of that, not only can he finish for himself with the drop step or these spin moves that he's doing, but now he's able to utilize that post up to make plays for other people and pitch it out to three-point shooters. And it, it really catches people off guard because defenses are so scared of him going into the lane. It's crazy how scared they are of him. Like, I see fear in the Mason yeah. Plumley's eyes, you know? <laughs> Whenever Julius Randle has the ball up at the free throw line, usually... 
you'd think, okay, they just say our our scheme and game plan for Julius Randle, just let him shoot that mid-range jump shot, right? Yeah. But now they're just scared that he's going to dribble into them and like dunk it on them. You yeah. know, it doesn't even, it doesn't even matter if they give him space. Uh, Julius Randle has just become such a smart, skilled basketball player. And I think it's only a matter of time before refs stop falling for the offensive foul. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Cause they know he, he's going to have the reputation for being a very physical player. And in a sense, he's going to be able to get away with it more than others. Well, I mean, it's his reputation right now and from his first two years in the league that gets him those offensive fouls. But really, yeah. I think people are just flopping and he's just literally that strong. You know, it's yeah. not like he's elbowing people anymore. He's just that strong and you can't fall for it. And I think in like a year or two, the refs will give him more of the benefit of the doubt. I agree with that. I mean, Chauncey Billups even said he's like, you know, you have certain games where you go into it thinking, damn, I'm going to be really sore <laughs> when this game is over, right? And he's like, when you see Julius Randle and you got to guard him, you're you're probably already thinking, crap, I'm, I'm going to need to sit in that ice bath for a while. Yeah, absolutely. He's definitely abusing and bruising up opponents left and right. And like you said, we have to keep him. So let's talk about keeping Julius Randle. Um, I mentioned it on Twitter, but the Cavs pick is now at number 22. And we've talked about in the past, it's going to be hard to keep everyone on the books, including Julius Randle's $12.4 million, unless we can get rid of Luau Deng. Now, the only option we've been talking about recently is, you know, stretching Luau Deng. Uh, but stretching Luau Deng would still leave about $7.4 million on our books, uh, which still will take some cap gymnastics to then keep Julius Randle as well. If we still want to sign two max guys like LeBron James and Paul George, or even keep Isaiah Thomas's cap hold on. But I think given the way this Cavs pick is going, it looks like it's going to be now at least in the number 20 to 25 range at this point, And by the time summer rolls around and Luau Deng only has two years left on his contract, I actually think that the Lakers can get away with attaching that first round pick of Cleveland's with Luau Deng. Maybe you have to toss in a Thomas Bryant, but at this point, I don't think you even have to because I think a team will take on Luau Deng's remaining two years just to get that Cleveland Cavaliers low 20s pick in a very stacked deep draft coming up, right? And we, we saw even in this trade deadline how valuable these first round picks are. The only team that exchanged a first-round pick this trade deadline was Cleveland, you know? So they are very valuable, and I could see a team who is cap-strapped or or at least knows that they're not going to be able to sign any significant players to just take on Luau Deng's last two years just so that they can get a potential prospect in that number 20 to 25 range via the Cleveland Cavaliers pick. And that is one way that I think the Lakers could keep Julius Randle's cap hold on the books and then make their signings, uh, tell Julius Randle to just wait while they try and sign Paul George and LeBron James, not take any offers elsewhere. And then once those signings are done, then go over the cap to sign Julius Randle to whatever he wants. And at this point, you know, Julius Randle probably deserves at least $18 million, right? 15 to 18. Um, so even at that price, if you had told me Julius Randle's probably going to make $18 million, do you, would you want the Lakers to match? About six months ago, I would have said, no way. Let's get whatever we can for him now, you know? Right. Now I'm like, give him his $18 million. Let's go over the cap to re-sign this guy. Uh, we need to make sure to tell him how valuable he is to us and to not take the Dallas Mavericks offer. I mean, that's <laughs> the one That's the one real threat to Julius Randle, right? Because yeah. he's from Dallas. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks presumably were very interested in excuse me, very interested in him in the trade deadline. And I would not be surprised if they offered him a near max contract. Maybe even they give him $23 million, you know, but yeah. I just hope the, I hope the Lakers get in there really early on, even before the, uh, the trade deadline starts and during that moratorium period and tell him, Hey, this is our plan. We really want to keep you. We think you're going to be part of our long-term future right now. Last season, you proved that you were one of the best players in our young core, maybe the best outside of Brandon Ingram. And, we think you're an integral piece moving forward, even with LeBron James and Paul George. Uh, we want to pay you around $18 million. We just need you to wait before we make these signings first. So, yeah, Alan, what are your thoughts on just keeping Julius Randle? For you, what's the percentage uh, that the Lakers will do that? And uh, 
if it were up to you is it a, is it at 100% uh yeah for me i'll give it a 99% <laughs> um just cuz you never know what could happen i guess but as far as like how much i want us to keep him there's 100% of me that does um and i I'm going to say that, you know, emotions are playing about a 15% factor in that. But the other 85% is like, look, this guy's a stud, you know, um, in terms of what will actually go down, man. Um, I mean, I, I feel like the front office, thankfully is pretty malleable when it comes to their position on things. Um, I I don't think they're the types that would be, you know, so stuck in whatever their ways are, whatever, whatever kind of opinions they've formed to the point where they may be like, yeah, he's impressed us as of late and he passes the eye test and every other test you could imagine. But, you know, it's been our plan all along too. blah, blah, blah. Therefore, we don't we're not going to take into consideration how much this guy's improved and we're not going to alter anything. Right. Um I, I would think that they've adjusted their plan as well for this. Um, and maybe, you know, all along they were going to pitch to him like, hey, we want to keep you just hang tight. But now it's like even more urgent that they uh, relay that message to him. So um, it's hard for me to put a, per- put a percentage on it. But if I were to guess how badly they want to retain him, I would say that is a very high priority. Um but the question, of course, is financially, how are we going to make that work? You know, and I mean, hopefully what you said about attaching that pick um, to a Luol Deng contract, hopefully that were to actually happen. I, I would think, like you said, there are some teams, as long as Cleveland continues to, um, you know, lose, essentially, I would think that there are some teams that really want that pick and they'd be willing to uh, make a, a sacrifice like taking on Deng. So. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because how much of it is in our hands, you know? Only so much. Hey, this is Brian from the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, here to talk about keeps. So, there's just no two ways to say it. Losing hair is awful. Nobody wants to go through it. And two out of three guys are going to experience hair loss by the time they're 35. This is the world we live in, people. Now, I personally haven't started this, you know, downturn, but I got a couple of people close to my life that go through it, and they always say, should have started it sooner rather than later. So anyways, these FDA-approved products used to cost so much, but now, thanks to Keeps, they're finally inexpensive and easy to get. For five minutes, now and starting just $10 per month, you'll never have to worry about hair loss again. So they've ironed out the process. Basically, you just take a photo of your hair, and you shoot it over, and a licensed physician will review the information, and recommend the right treatment to you, and then, boom, shipped right to your door every three months. So Keeps is only $10 to $35 a month, uh, plus now you can get your first month free uh, to, to what? To keep your hair. So come on, what are we talking about here? To receive your first month of treatment for free, go to keeps.com slash almighty. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash almighty. That's a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash almighty. Keeps hair today, hair tomorrow. Yeah, but even even given that, like you said, I think Julius Randle has become, outside of LeBron James and Paul George, probably the number three priority of the Lakers to retain, especially if, you know, plans fall through and their their pitches don't go as, as planned or as well as they had hoped. You know, making sure that Julius Randle is still on their cap hold or still on their books uh, as a contingency plan, I think is very, very important. And, you know, Luke Walton, everybody saw that video of Luke Walton telling Julius Randle, that was awesome. you are you are the best perimeter defender in the league. Go out there. You know, I yeah. mean, how cool was that? That was sick. What a vote of confidence from your coach. And I know a lot of people gave Luke Walton flack earlier on in the season for tossing Julius Randle's minutes about and sometimes even only giving him 10 minutes and all that. But now we kind of see the dividends, right? It's almost like, for me, I trusted the process with regards to Luke Walton. Have there been times where we've been frustrated? Yes. But at the end of the day, I don't know what's going on in the practice yeah. room. I don't know what his relationship with Julius Randle is like. I'm sure he knows the best way to motivate this yep. guy. You know, I know a lot of people say that thing where, 
and I'm not a proponent of this. I'm not a proponent believer of this where they're like, I can only imagine how much the Lakers would be winning mm. right now if they had started Julius Randle at the start of the season. Yeah. I don't want to play that what if game because look, this is the this is where Julius Randle is at exactly. now. And who's to say the way that Luke Walton motivated him throughout the season? Yeah. Um, who's to say that didn't have an effect on him? And exactly. it's all, for me, it's almost like because we don't know the context of everything, the people who are saying Luke Walton should have done this earlier on, it's almost like telling a parent how to teach their child and you, right, right. you know, discipline their child when we don't really know. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. All, all we can see now is the results and the results are amazing and the relationship has never been better. You know, I don't mm-hmm. think Luke Walton is all of a sudden just being this glowing and affirming because no. Julius Randle's balling out. Like, I think he knew what this guy was capable of. And even back then when his minutes were getting tossed about, Luke Walton said, I'm hard on this guy because I know how good he can be. He's always he said, said that, that. earlier. Right. He's yep. always said that, right? So I think it just gives perspective on everything, especially for the fans that were so pissed off at Luke Walton. Like, what's going on? This guy hates Julius Randle clearly. Clearly, he's not part of the plans of the Lakers. And to be honest, I even fell victim to some of that. You know, I was like, maybe sure. he isn't in the plans, you know? But at the end of the day, could it be that Luke Walton just really knew what he was oh, yeah. doing yeah. all along and knew how to push this guy's buttons in the right direction? And uh, right. And, and we also don't know as he's doing this tugging. Obviously, Julius Randle sounded very frustrated in some interviews, but... How the hell else is he, is he supposed to sound? <laughs> right. But yeah. who's to say Luke Walton, after only giving Julius Randle 10 minutes one game, didn't then speak with Julius Randle for two hours after and explain I'm himself? Sh- I'm sure he did. Yeah, it's like, if we really think about... And again, I guess we don't really know Luke, but um, <laughs> do we really think he's tone deaf? You know what I mean? Like, does yeah. he have a low emotional IQ? Obviously not. Like, everyone has praised Luke from everyone on the Golden State Warriors to just around the league about how how well he understands people and how he gets relationships and things like that. So it's not like Luke just didn't get it when he was doing that stuff with Julius. Like, there was clearly a reason for it. And um, as as you said before, you know, like who are we to question it? We're not there. And are we really going to second guess Luke, especially when it comes to handling, you know, egos and personalities? If, if there's anyone who can handle them well, it's going to be Luke. And then one other point sorry, that I just thought of right now, it's like it's kind of like when you ask successful people, if you could go back and tell your 20 year old self or your 15 year old self or whatever, like to do something differently, like, what would you tell them? And a lot of successful people will say, I wouldn't tell younger me anything at all. Mm -hmm. I would let things play out exactly how they did, whether it was all good or a lot of bad, because every single one of those, you know, scenarios and situations and experiences helped shape who I am today. So when we look at, oh, had Randall played in all those games, maybe... We would have been over 500 and blah, blah, blah. It's like, as you said, no, you absolutely can't say that. Maybe the reason he's playing so well right now is because of what happened. So, no, let's let's not play this um, if we could go back, you know, kind of things. Well, also, in a more tangible way, who's to say that Julius Randle playing off the bench in limited minutes and still excelling I feel like that experience made Julius Randle value every minute on the court a little more. That sounds kind of ho- hokey. Yeah, sounds a little yeah. hokey, but ho- at the end of the day... Hokey is a very good adjective. But, I mean, if if you only have 25 minutes in a contained amount of time, uh, I'm sure yeah. Julius Randle valued every possession exactly. a little more. And then he, he... I mean, he excelled in that period with only 26 minutes or so and was balling out even then and... He understood that, like, I can't turn the ball over as much. I just need to make the right plays. I just need to cut. I can't spend this time yeah. doing Kobe stuff, Kobe dribble moves, and trying to barrel into people as much because I'm going to get yanked. I mean, I'm already get, I'm already getting yanked even if, you know, I'm playing solidly. So I, I think, like you said, yeah, all of these experiences helped Julius Randle get to, get to this place. Could Luke Walton have implemented this a little sooner? Sure, of course. But at the end of the day, Julius Randle is playing like an all-star and uh, we are all the beneficiaries of that. And it looks like right now that he's going to be a long-term part of the Lakers' future. So, yo, props to Julius Randle, man. Black Panther, he's a beast. What we <laughs> said was wrong. Um, <laughs> hey, so let's end uh, and talk about LeBron James. Obviously, 
he was uh, outshined by Julius Randle, but still, he is still one of the best players in the league, if not the best player right now. He could be a Laker next year. We'll see. That rumor is still kind of being tossed about, and he's still speaking very glowingly about the Lakers organization, the coaches, the players. Um, but Alan, where, where do you stand really quickly on, on LeBron James? Do you want him on the Lakers? Yes. Oh, great. That's easy. Um, for me, I have... All right, good night, guys. I actually have a more nuanced take on this just because I don't, I don't know if necessarily I 100% am fawning over a LeBron James to the Lakers scenario just because... And I'll tell you why my calculus has changed. This is not to say that I don't... Like, if LeBron James came to the Lakers, I'd be like, no, that's not it at all. It's more so that I value our young guys so much and the progress and strides they've made that when they turn up, I want them to receive the proper recognition that they deserve. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if LeBron James comes to the Lakers, the Nate Duncans of the world are just going to say... LeBron James is making all these guys better and of course he is but they're never they're never going to give our guys our fresh organics trust the process guys the proper credit that they deserve. They're always going to lowball Julius Randle, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma and knock them for playing with LeBron James. So given how much how far these guys have come on their own accord and I, I lose that. I use that term loosely. Of course, there's help from Brooke Lopez and Isaiah Thomas and KCP. But for the large part, these young group of scrappy lost boys type of guys, <laughs> I mean, they've been so much fun and they've grown up so much, even just in the span of, you know, half a year, that I can just see, I I can see the, these guys really excelling on their own. If you just add like one star here and there, or even like I'd almost prefer like a Paul George because even. He, Paul George has a chip on his shoulder because, I mean, he's never made it to the finals. Um, He's never really been, yeah, he's never had the chance to to do so. And especially now with Russell Westbrook, he's not the man yet. Um, Obviously, he's had the chance to do so in Indiana, but he's had middling success. um, And he's like been years removed from those Eastern Conference finals Pacers teams with David West, George Hill, and Roy Hibbert. But give him this core group of young players in Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Julius Randle, Josh Hart. And man, L.A. kid, local kid, what an amazing story that would be. And I say, you know, obviously, I'd love to have LeBron James on. I'm just saying I wouldn't be fawning over it because I also know that there's that downturn of just our guys really never getting the credit that they deserve at the end of the day. And I think they can actually do it with or without LeBron James. And I think that just speaks so highly of how far we've come and how far our guys have grown in just, uh, you know, three months time. So yeah. What are your thoughts on that or LeBron James? Yeah. uh, I mean, I definitely see where you're coming from with that and you are probably right. I I think the national media would, um, would absolutely, like diminish our young guys actual impact on the team because of LeBron. Um, obvious. I, I think at least it's obvious if you were to ask our players um, how much they value being validated by others. My guess is most of them would say that they do not care. Um from a fan's perspective, yeah, it would be extremely frustrating, you know, to see Twitter, <laughs> the Nate Duncans, the whatevers, uh, even just broadcasters on television, because everyone loves to hate on the Lakers. Um, but at the end of it, I mean, how many years would LeBron be here? Like mm-hmm. three years, two to three years or something like that. Okay, so where does that put other young guys, um, our young core? They won't even be in their primes yet. You know, so LeBron would either leave or retire at some point in the fairly near future. Our young core would then be entering their prime, at which point they will, you know, have the team to themselves, so to speak. And, you know, assuming all goes well and they can keep enough of them together, they'll go on to win and be very successful. And then they would, you know, get their dues or whatever from from the national right. media and whatnot. And, you know, it, it's kind of like the Kobe Shaq thing. Like, oh, you know, Kobe without Shaq wouldn't have been able to do it. But if you really look at it and you paid attention to those teams, it's like, oh, uh, well, Shaq would not have been able to do it without Kobe, you know? Yeah. Um, 
do people still have that conversation these days? Unfortunately, actually, yeah, people do, and it sucks. But they can't take away the three rings they won, <laughs> you know? And you do have enough people who stick up for Kobe. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. That That's kind of my take on it. I, I definitely see where you're coming from. And it would get inevitably be frustrating, but... Um, I would choose to be entertained by it. You know, it's like fine. Sure. Let's let's spar with these people then. You know, who hold those beliefs? Because at some point, the young guys are going to prove themselves anyway. Because LeBron's not going to play till he's forty-five years old. You know, <laughs> we don't think. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, and that's actually the devil's advocate. I was going to play on my own argument, just talking about the biggest beneficiary, or yeah, the biggest thing LeBron brings is being able to usher in the next generation kind of like the way that Shaq did for Kobe and yeah maybe he only has three to four years tops and just the amount of experience the guys will learn it's pretty much going to expedite their competitive process and they're going to be in the finals next year probably or at the very least Western Conference finals right and that'll be so beneficial and influential for all of our young guys to experience for the first time and um yeah, I think that's the the biggest benefit of having a guy like LeBron James expedite that process for everybody. Just by the tail end of it, they'll probably have been to the playoffs multiple times. And whoa, Brandon Ingram's still only 24. Lonzo Ball's still only 23. That's you know, that's so crazy, crazy to think about, you know? So yeah, LeBron James coming over. Paul George, join him. Let's do this. Let's piss everybody off. If they want to continue to say... Oh, Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram, they're just good now because of Bron James. They can go ahead and say that, but we know the truth. We trusted the process. We saw Julius Randle come up. I mean, good times in Lakers land, lit times. It's the glow up. That's my new new term. I like the term glow up. (laughs) (laughs) The Lakers, it's all about the glow up, baby. We're seeing that. I mean, literally, the guys have... I'm proud of these guys. That's all I can say. Hell yeah. I'm proud of these dudes. So uh, it's fun. You're so hokey. uh, so hokey pokey. <laughs> um, hey, we're thirty and thirty six, and Damn. if we if we can get to forty wins, oh my god! Whew, I'm happy. I'm happy, man. Happy in more ways than one. But thank you, Lakers, for. Oh, I'm happy. The more I'm happy, the more ways than one as well. No, oh, there's right. a there's well, a development. I will oh, tell you. I'll tell you off air. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, if you guys want right, to stay. Guys. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna have another show called the relationship. <laughs> Legacy <laughs> podcast. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we're talking about girls, by the way. Hey yo. Hey. We out here tripping in fitness. <laughs> Don't make no sense. All right. Um. With that said, I think we'll end the show right there. Nobody wants to hear that stuff, or maybe they do. Who knows? Uh. The Lakers play the Nuggets. Dun dun dun. Jamal Murray. Boo. You look like an eagle. <laughs> Hey, my name is uh, Joel Embiid. I was listening to you guys, and uh, I just want to say I hope you kick Jamal Murray's ass. That's my favorite thing to say, kick their ass. I don't even think it's a bad word, but uh, kick their ass. He's a little punk. Uh, fly, eagle, fly. <laughs> Why is Joel Embiid crashing our podcast? All right, thanks, Joel. Because he, he wants to kick his ass, and we we want our guys to kick Jamal's ass too. We do literally, literally kick his ass at this point. And uh, props to Luke Walton for standing up for his team. Hopefully, the Lakers really, really come out with their revenge face on, and it seems like they'll be ready tomorrow. So, uh, depending on when you listen to this, hopefully, if it's afterwards, hopefully, where you guys are are lit off that Denver Nuggets win. Uh, with that said, thank you guys for listening. Again, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes. That is the best way to help and support this podcast. We do not do this as a job. We all have full-time jobs, and uh, this is just kind of a, a passion project of ours, but it does take some time, and uh, especially getting these out to you really quickly. I'm pretty much working 12 hours in, in one day. Um, so if you want to support us in any way, uh, follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod and rate and review us on iTunes. We also have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where you can donate as little as a dollar. Anything helps. With that said, that's it. Um, go Lakers, go. Fly, eagle, fly. <laughs> no, 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 no. No fly, eagle, fly. Uh, Alan, I will catch you later. All right, dude. See ya. All right, peace.
Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents, which means you're going to start telling your kids to clean up before the cleaning lady comes. Doesn't make sense, but you're the parent and they're the kids. You're going to start telling them that now, too. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. And there's your opening to remind them who pays the bills around here. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi! Did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi! You have high cholesterol! Hi! You're fine! And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi! There's no more even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states.